Dharma Bites is brought to you by Free Buddhist Audio, the Dharma for real life. Our work is funded entirely by donations from our generous listeners. If you would like to help us keep this free, come and join us at freebuddhistaudio.com forward slash community. Thank you and happy listening. The five spiritual faculties, sometimes translated as by Dr. Edward Conde as the five cardinal virtues, can be rendered in English as faith, wisdom, energy or vigor, concentration, sometimes translated as calm, mental tranquility, and mindfulness or awareness, these five. Now, according to the traditional interpretation, the first and the second, the third and the fourth, form or constitute two pairs. We might say that faith and wisdom represent respectively the devotional and the intellectual, or the devotional and the Gnostic aspects of the spiritual life. And according to the Buddhist tradition, the Buddhist teaching, these two must be balanced all the time. Very often we find that there are people whose emotions are very well developed, who are highly devotional, who are going to ecstasies over things like images and flowers and lights and candles and all the rest of it, but who are left cold by a more intellectual presentation. Such people, when they come into Buddhism or when they come to a Buddhist lecture for the first time, usually complain and say, I like Buddhism, but it seems so cold. There's nothing warm. There's nothing, as it were, devotional and emotional about it. Well, of course, there is, but people of this sort feel it in that particular way. So you get this particular type of person. On the other hand, you get the intellectual. Sometimes intellectuals are very superior. Sometimes they think that they know everything, that they've understood it all. So they get down to their books and their studies and their doctrines and their philosophies and their metaphysics and their systems and their theology and this, that and the other. And they cast a rather superior glance at the ordinary person, the devotee. They say, you know, it's all this puja and all this worship and all this devotion. It's all right, yes. It's all right for these village people, you know, in the old days. I suppose it does them some sort of good. But as for me, well, <laughs> that's quite a different matter. So you get these one-sided types developing. The, the emotional, devotional type, excluding the intellectual element, and the intellectual <coughs> type, excluding the devotional and the emotional. But Buddhism says that these two must be balanced. Both must be harmoniously cultivated and developed, faith and wisdom. If you have faith, the Buddha says, without wisdom, if you have just the emotional and devotional side of the spiritual life, you'll tend to become perhaps a little superstitious, attaching too much value to purely secondary things, things which are not of primary importance. You might even become a bit, one might even say fanatical, a bit narrow, a bit dogmatic, a bit bigoted, because your vision is narrow, intense, but narrow. No breadth, no width to it. So you need to balance faith with wisdom, the intellectual understanding, or the intellectual insight. If, on the other hand, you're all intellectual understanding, or rationalism, if you interpret Buddhism and your spiritual life too exclusively in these terms, 
then you'll become what we usually call a dry-as-dust rationalist. You'll know all the books, all the philosophies, all the systems, but there won't be one spark, as it were, of genuine religious or spiritual feeling or even aspiration in you. You'll just be a theologian or something of that sort, something rather dreadful. So just in the same way that faith has to be balanced by wisdom, wisdom has to be balanced by faith. The devotional and the intellectual or the emotional and the intellectual elements in the spiritual life must be perfectly balanced, perfectly harmonized, not just existing, as it were, side by side, not just a sort of coexistence, but an actual integration of the one into the other. One might say the wisdom aspect imparting, as it were, lights to the faith aspect, and the faith aspect imparting, as it were, warmth through the wisdom aspect. So that you get a fusion, a beautiful fusion of the two, the faith and the wisdom, the wisdom and the faith, becoming one faculty, as it were, one clear, bright, at the same time warm insight, sympathy, and so on. So this is the first pair, which has to be balanced. Secondly, we've got vigor or energy on the one hand, and concentration or calm or tranquility on the other. Here again we have the same sort of thing. You know people are very vigorous, very active, very energetic, always bustling around, always doing things. But such people very often are not at peace with themselves and their activity is a sort of restlessness. Very often they get on other people's nerves. They do a lot of good, sometimes they do a lot of harm. That's why as I sometimes say, there is a very well-known saying in the East, that it takes all the wisdom of the wise to undo the harm done by the merely good. So by the merely good is meant people with this excess, this surplusage of energy and vigor, but no basis in themselves of calm, of tranquility, of which the vigor, the energy, is the external manifestation and expression. On the other hand, on the other hand, you've got people of the opposite type. People who are, as it were, quiet, gentle, passive, but they tend to be slothful, lethargic, tends to be overcome by inertia. Even sometimes you find in the religious life, in the spiritual life, people who, in a sense, technically are very good people, leading very quiet lives, almost somnolent lives, one might say. People who do a lot of meditation, but their meditation, if they're not very careful, if it's not balanced by energy, by vigor, becomes a sort of mild daydreaming. It just allows us to be carried along on a sort of current of fantasy, building all sorts of beautiful cloud castles, painting all sorts of beautiful pictures about what they'll be like when they're enlightened and how wonderful enlightenment is, but not really doing anything to achieve it, to gain it. So you've got these two opposite types in the same way, the restless type and the lethargic type. So therefore, the Buddha says that vigor and calm meditation must be balanced. You must be active, you must be energetic, but the activity and the energy must spring, as it were, out of the depths of an inner calm and find its basis in the inner calm if it is to have any real meaning or even any real value, not only for oneself, even for others. Otherwise you just spread restlessness. On the other hand, your inner calm and tranquility must find expression externally in some type of activity, 
It doesn't mean that one must be bustling about and doing things in a much publicized sort of way. But it means there must be a certain quiet, steady expression externally of the inner peace, tranquility, and even spiritual realization. So vigor and calm, tranquility, or energy and meditation, if you like, extrovert and introvert, balancing, harmonizing, and again integrated the one into the other. In the case we're told of a fully enlightened person, even the one who, though not fully enlightened, is very near to it, there is, as it were, no distinction between inner and outer. It's the same to him, whether he's meditating, whether he's active. His activity is a meditation, his meditation is activity. The two are so perfectly fused, harmonized, and integrated. So here we have these two sets of terms, faith and wisdom, energy and calm, or meditation. The devotional and the intellectual, the extrovert and the introvert, all beautifully fused together, harmoniously integrated. And how is all this to be done? This is where the fifth faculty, the faculty of mindfulness or awareness, comes in. This isn't just awareness or mindfulness in the sense of knowing what one is doing, but as you were a deep spiritual awareness, keeping the whole of one's being or one's aspects or one's faculties continually, as it were, in view and harmonizing and balancing them all in this way. You might even ask, well, what about the faculty of mindfulness, the faculty of awareness itself? What's preventing that from going to extremes? What is there to balance that? Shouldn't there be a sixth faculty to balance awareness or mindfulness? But the answer to that is no, it isn't necessary. Mindfulness or awareness by its very nature is such that it cannot possibly go to extremes. Therefore in Buddhism it is in a sense the spiritual faculty par excellence. And it's that or the presence of that which keeps in harmony, in balance, which keeps integrated, or which makes integrated, the other four spiritual faculties. You can't have too much mindfulness. You can talk about a person having too much devotion, or too much intellect, too much activity, or too much meditation even, but you can't speak of a person as having too much awareness, too much mindfulness, too much recollection. This by its very nature, is a virtue which cannot go to extremes and therefore does not require any counterbalancing faculty. So all these five, quite clearly, quite obviously, quite evidently, are to be cultivated, according to Buddhism, by the individual. In our spiritual life we must cultivate faith and devotion, we must cultivate intellectual insight and understanding, we must cultivate energy and vigor, we must cultivate also inner calm and tranquility. Above all, we must cultivate and develop to the utmost of our ability, mindfulness or awareness, which makes, in a sense, all the others possible in the integrated form. We hope you enjoyed the talk. Please come and help us keep this free at freebuddhistaudio.com forward slash community. And thank you.